It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to have a conversation about the Spanish flu in 1918 and two interesting lessons that it teaches us about today, giving us good reason to be encouraged about the future as we continue our battle against the coronavirus. But before we get to that, I do want to take you to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where uh, Vice President, uh, former Vice President and current presidential nominee for the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, is meeting with community members in a church there. Questions are now being asked of the presidential candidate, uh, and he is responding to those. So now to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, former pre- former Vice President Joe Biden. We're going to give you this, we're going to give you that, but we have yet to see action. And I was always raised to go off action and not words, because you'll be, feel, you'll, you'll be let down every single time. And the action we want are hold these officers accountable to the same crimes that we get had accountable to. If I was that officer, I would be under Kenosha County Jail right now. If I was these officers who commit these crimes, because if a medical examiner just and, and if a medical examiner does their job and says, "Oh, I'm ruling it homicide," that's murder. Why are they not being done the same exact way that me or my brothers and sisters out here in this world are being treated? Why are there more police officers in the black neighborhoods? than in other neighborhoods. Why are are we more targeted than anybody else? We walk somewhere, automatically it's, you fit the description. We wear something, automatically it's, oh, you're a bad person. I'm only 31. And I've seen enough within these last two years to say I'm tired, I'm a mother. My oldest is 13, my twins are nine. I do this because I want their future to be better than what I have right now, because my present is not good. But I speak because I want the truth heard. And I speak for the people in this city because I live in this city and I'm out here with these people. A lot of people won't tell the truth, but I'm telling the truth. It's not what a lot of people think it is for us. We more the same exact rights as others. We want to be treated just like everyone else. A lot of us get denied jobs because we mark that box as black or African-American, knowing we are overly qualified for that position. People come in and tear down our houses in our neighborhoods instead of fixing them up and making them better. And now we're all pushed to one side of town Gentrification has to stop as well. We can't get that if someone with that voice can't put that into effect. That's all we're asking. We want the same treatment. We're not asking, oh, put us above anybody. We're not saying we matter more than anybody. None of that. But for so many decades, we've been shown we don't matter. And right now, we just want someone who's actually going to show and put that action in. It's a lot of stuff we want done. And 
being someone who is out here who lives, I literally live directly behind this church. I know the pastor. I come over and help with the food pantry some days. So I know it. I see it. I live it. Others who don't see it and live it can't tell you the truth. They can't really give you the in-depth things that we're going through out here as black and brown people. So I'm telling you, it's way more that we want done. And it didn't just start with Jacob. But we want change. We want change. So I thank you for coming to hear me. I would, <clears throat> excuse me, someone else would like to come up and provide uh, insights on Kenosha, Alderman Kennedy? You're hearing comments uh, being delivered to uh, former Vice President Joe Biden as he participates in a community discussion in a church in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, comments being delivered to him, and he occasionally is responding. When his responses uh, commence, we'll jump right in. We want to make sure that uh, now uh, with Joe Biden's visit to Kenosha that we I let you know what was going on as the other day when uh, President Donald Trump uh, visited Kenosha and he met with business owners and law enforcement. You can remember uh, some of those conversations and exchanges that took place. Uh, one thing that set that visit apart from uh, this part, this this visit by Joe Biden, uh, well, a number of things, but uh, primarily, first, Joe Biden uh, has had contact with uh, Jacob Blake. Uh, Blake spoke to him from his hospital bed and on uh, earlier this week when uh, President Donald Trump visited Kenosha, he was accompanied by uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, which was interesting uh, in particular to hear uh, those two men speak uh, with the members of law enforcement there in Kenosha to include the Kenosha County uh, Sheriff and others also uh, in attendance, uh, members of Congress representing the area. So we'll continue to monitor this. Uh, and let you know uh, what uh, Joe Biden has to say when he commences his replies uh, to the community there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I want to, uh, for a moment, look back earlier uh, to a segment. Uh, I, I know I told you I was going to talk about the Spanish flu, uh, but if I'm honest, I only have about two or three minutes left in the segment, and the story is so good, I don't want to shortchange it, okay? Uh, it has to do uh, with, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll give it away. It turns out in 1918... In 1918, the city of Provo did something exactly, exactly like what it did uh, just last week in putting in place an ordinance which required the wearing of a mask. I was blown away. Uh, A listener uh, of the program uh, very kindly sent uh, this over. Uh, gentleman's name, Mark, uh, sent this over. I got it this morning, and as I read it, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is is incredible uh, that this ordinance— written almost exactly uh, to the letter uh, the way the ordinance which was passed recently in the city of Provo has passed, but requiring over 100 years ago uh, that the people of Provo wear a mask if they're out and about and unable to physically distance. Uh, and get this, if if you were found in violation of the ordinance way back in 1918, the fine was $50. $50. You know what the fine is today? Uh, $55. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of uh, I did a little bit of inflation math, and uh, fifty five dollars uh, in nineteen or I'm sorry, fifty dollars in nineteen eighteen equates to any guesses? Yeah, eight hundred and fifty eight dollars uh, in twenty twenty. So the fine 
if the, if the fine were to be equivalent today, if you were found to be in violation of this mask ordinance in Provo, the fine would be $858. It's not. It's not. It's, it's $55, uh, right? Uh, but how fascinating is that? From 1918 to 2020, the violation in real dollars <laughs> increased only five. I did, I did a little bit of uh, deflation math as well. Uh, just to see what fifty-five dollars in twenty twenty uh, dollars U.S. dollars would equate to in nineteen eighteen, and uh, that came out to be three dollars and twenty-one cents. Three dollars and twenty-one cents. Oh shoot! I've I've told the whole story. There is more, uh, and I'll I'll find some time to tell you the rest. Uh, also, one fascinating thing that we learned from nineteen eighteen, uh, the Spanish flu in particular, is what happens once we move beyond it. The the truth is the virus uh, never really goes away. The Spanish flu still persists here among us today. Uh, but why is it not something uh, that we focus on and something that brings us great fear? Uh, I don't have time to explain it now, but I'll find the time. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, very much looking forward to this next conversation. Dr. Marion Bishop, an ER doctor who's been on the program before, has a fascinating perspective. We're going to talk about steroid use. We're going to talk about what she is seeing. And we're going to talk about that 94% of deaths. Uh, that CDC data released uh, late last week. What does it mean to her? How can she explain it? We'll find out next on Live Mike. Sanjay Gupta's hair got long, huh? Hadn't seen him in a while. Look at him. Look at his COVID cut. That's pretty good. Oh, sorry. We're, we're back on the air. We're doing a show? Still today? Wait. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. In a moment, I want to talk to you about uh, some some protesters, some activists, some some students who have marched their way up to, to the University of Utah campus and are today uh, calling for uh, the abolishment of the university police department. Uh, we'll get into that. We're going to hear from one of the protesters to see what kind of logic they try to bring to that argument. Uh, I'm not sure if you can hear from the tone of my voice, but I am skeptical and not exactly on board with their uh, endeavors. But we'll, 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 we'll give them the chance, uh, and we'll, I'll let you in a moment uh, hear what these uh, protesters have to say and what their rationale is for, uh, number one, abolishing the University of Utah Police Department, and number two, uh, seeking the ouster uh, of uh, the ousting, or rather, of uh, University President Watkins. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment, though. i got to make good on a promise. Earlier in the week, we heard from uh, President Donald Trump as he interacted with business owners and law enforcement in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, uh, today, uh, taking his own trip to Wisconsin is Joe Biden. Joe Biden uh, met with some members of the community. Uh, he has also uh, communicated with Jacob Blake, uh, who remains hospitalized right now. As you well know, all of this attention being paid to Kenosha uh, started uh, when uh, Mr. Blake uh, was shot uh, by a law enforcement officer. And the, the details of that uh, I'm not going to get into right now because I uh, I. I I'm going to allow the investigators to do their job. Everyone uh, feels right now they have a good, clear understanding of exactly what happened. Uh, well, listen, objectively, we don't. Okay, we, we don't yet know. We will uh, someday uh, be presented, hopefully soon. Now, I, I would like to see this investigation conclude very soon. I think it would do a lot of good for everyone involved, regardless of the outcome or the determination of the investigation. But uh, being patient and uh, withholding judgment until and unless we get this uh, is, is, I think, wise. And it's going to be my position, okay? You're not going to hear me debating uh, the merits of this side or that uh, until, until a report of that nature is revealed. But uh, putting all that aside, it has uh, stirred uh, many emotions, to put it very lightly. 
All right. Uh, there has been uh, demonstrations, violence, uh, rioting on the streets of Kenosha. Donald Trump wanted to put things at, uh, at peace. Uh, Joe Biden uh, wanted to take a shot at it. So he is there today. And uh, earlier in the program, you heard a young woman, 31 years old, mother of three, uh, address African-American woman addressing uh, Joe Biden as he uh, interacted with community members in a church there uh, in Kenosha. We didn't have a chance at that moment to hear from Joe Biden, but we do now. So here uh, are some of the words, uh, a few minutes uh, from Joe Biden as he addressed those community leaders uh, and members of the community in a church in Kenosha just earlier today. We're in a situation now where we cannot let up. We cannot let up. Violence in any form is wrong. The idea that this president continues to try to divide us, give succor to the white supremacist, talks about how there's really good people on both sides, talks about talks in ways that are just absolutely... I, I've never used this regard to president before, not only incorrect but immoral. They're just simply wrong, simply wrong. And the one concern I have, and I understand it, is that people are going to be so frustrated, particularly in the communities that need the help the most, need to be treated most clearly and equally, they're going to say it's not worth it at all. I'm not going to vote. A guy was a very good friend of mine. Talked to him two days before he died, John Lewis. As John said, the only answer is to vote. It's the only answer to be engaged in vote. Otherwise, nothing else works in a democracy. It doesn't work. The not-so-good guys win when we don't vote. I understand. I really do have a sense of the frustration. But so, where I am, I absolutely believe you know, when the United States, when America has set its mind to something, it's never, 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 never failed when we put our minds to, and we do it together. Never. We've gone through wars and pestilence, plague. We've gone through a lot. And we're finally now getting to the point where we're going to be addressed the original sin of this country. 400 years old. It's the original sin. Slavery. And all the vestiges of it. I'm not saying in four years, and I'm not even, this is not about a campaigning. I can't say if tomorrow God made me president. I can't guarantee you everything gets solved in four years. But I guarantee you one thing. It'll be a whole heck of a lot better. We'll move a lot further down the road. People fear that's what's, that which is different. There you have it. There he is, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, addressing members of the community and community leaders in a church in Kenosha, Wisconsin today. Uh, and I have to apologize to you. I have been very poor at managing the clock today. What that means is I'm supposed to be able to like look at the stories that I have to share or my thoughts and spread it out in my mind over the eight and a half, nine minutes we have each segment here. And, uh, well, I rambled on uh, earlier in this segment too long to be able to share with you some of my views on what's happening at the 
the University of Utah Police Department. Uh, I will tell you this uh, very quickly. The calls to abolish or dissolve the police department are wrong. They are hasty and they are being perpetrated by people who are merely jumping on a bandwagon. Rethink. Speak with the officers yourself. Speak to the chief. Speak to the the chief safety officer, Marlon Lynch. Uh, He's been on this program a number of times. Hear him out and also understand that it was only six, seven, eight months ago uh, that this organization calling for the dissolving of the police department uh, was in fact participating and evaluating the prospective chief who came in. Uh, The one who is in place now received four out of five stars, the highest ranking out of this unsafe U organization. And then COVID hit. And now for some odd reason, uh, because the rest of the country, at least the, the, the folks on Instagram are calling for police departments to be abolished and defund the police. Uh, a handful of University of Utah students are on that bandwagon themselves calling for the same thing. It makes no sense to me other than looking for a few likes on Instagram. Whew. Didn't anticipate going on that kind of rant there. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a look at the coronavirus again. Okay, that's. A, I'm sorry. You, you heard me pause there. Uh, we're going back to 1918. Uh, we're going to squeeze it in. I've got a cool story to tell you and some newspaper clippings to share. That's coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.